people say they'll never change. But those people need to understand the old saying that nothing changes until something changes. Or nothing changes if nothing changes. Hi, my name is Matt Stevens, and this is My Sober Addiction. One thing we've got to always keep in mind is we are who we are at this moment because of what we have been programmed to be, what we've allowed ourselves to be. We are pretty much the sum total of all of our thoughts up until this moment. There's an old saying, old, I think it's the Jesuits that say, show me a child at seven years and I'll show you the man. What that means is that the programming we have up until the age of seven generally de defines who we're going to be going forward throughout our lives. That's not saying that can't be changed. Of course it can be. It's just going to take some work. But as soon as we become conscious, consciously aware of the fact that that needs to be changed, we can then begin to do that. We have to become what we want to be. We have to just be it. And I can't stress those words enough. Be it. We can't set stipulations down and say, well, once this happens, then I will be that. Or I will be happy once this happens. Because that's not how the universe works. That's not how the law of attraction works. How the law of attraction works is you're going to be whatever it is that you are being. Now, I know that sounds like an oxymoron. Most people know what I mean already. But most people also don't do it. I mean, we all struggle with it. It's, it's, it's a lot of years of programming that we're trying to overcome. But it's a worthy goal. It's something we got to work towards. It's something that we got to get better at. We have to become very deliberate and very intentional. And the word intention is also a very key word in all of this. But we have to become very deliberate, very intentional in the thoughts that we choose. You know, there's a great book that was written, and it's a very short book, and I highly recommend it. It's called As a Man Thinketh. In the book, it basically says we become what we think about. And I know you've heard that. It's almost become a cliche, but it's very true. We become what we think about. And given that, that we know, we know that 95% of our mind is subconscious, which leaves only 5% for conscious. And we can do some good by, you know, working on that 5%, making sure we have positive thoughts, think, you know, positive thinking and and doing all the right things and staying away from the stay away from the wrong places and the staying away from the wrong people, situations. And while we can do a lot of good for ourselves by focusing on that and working on that and getting better, it's still only 5%. This still leaves 95% of our minds on autopilot and that is our programming that is our habits our beliefs you know everything that we learned up until this point and like with the that old saying with the jesuits you know show me the seven-year-old and i'll show you the man or however it goes i mean i'm sure i just butchered that but you get the point the 95 percent is where we can do the most good. That's where we can make up the most ground. Because 95% is a huge chunk. But it is a very big hill to climb. Because we got to understand, I mean, you know, we've got years and years of just programming our beliefs into our subconscious mind. All our habits, especially for addicts, we've got really bad habits that we've, on recent years, changed. And that's something we did have to do very deliberately. But there's more. 
things that we've come to believe over the years. A lot of people have, are suffer from amazing amounts of self-doubt. Well, another belief a lot of people were taught as they were coming up is that money is the root of all evil. Or, you know, a lot of people think that rich people got there by, I don't know, doing something wrong to somebody else. And I mean, in some cases, sure. But, you know, most of the bad things I've seen people do, it didn't make any difference how much money they had. They usually did it based on some other motivation. So anyway, retraining our 95%, our subconscious, is what we really need to do so that we can do the most good in our own lives. And yeah, then we can go out into the world and teach other people. We can be examples for our kids. We can be examples for uh, other addicts. Maybe people who you knew when you were in active addiction. Maybe they're still in active addiction. But now they know that you're sober and all that good stuff. But you're, you still haven't really proven that life is great. I'm sure you're saying it. But we need to get to where you're proving it. And let our example be a gift to the world. When we repair our relationships with the people around us. You know, one thing we've got to come to grips with is that we have wasted a lot of years. We wasted a lot of time. Um, we lost a lot of time in addiction. And there's nothing we can do about that. We can't get that time back. We don't have a rewind button. So all we can do is start from here. And that's the talk that I had with my kids. I had, I told them that I was very sorry and I begged them for their forgiveness. I told them, if you can't forgive me, if you never want to speak to me again, or whatever, I understand. Because I put them through a lot. But thankfully, they forgave me, and we've moved on. Now, I have an amazing relationship with my kids. They're awesome. And I'm so grateful that they did give me an opportunity to move forward from here. But we don't try to go back and make up for lost time. I would love to have done that, because there were some times... When they were growing up, some things that I missed out on. Some things I would love to have done with them. But now that they're grown, for the most part, they're young lady, they're young women. But for now, for that they're grown, there's some things that I missed that I wish we had done. We did it. The time has passed. I can't make it up. But I can't go from here. And they're willing to do that. And for that, I am eternally grateful. So anyway... So let your example be in, be a gift to the world. No, we don't owe the world anything, but we can freely give it away anyway. We contributed to all the bad things in the world for so long, we should now contribute in a positive way. We can make positive impacts in the world. If, you, if one person can go out and inspire one other person, and they can continue to do it, that snowball gets going. Sooner or later, you're going to run into someone who has a very big story to tell. They're going to tell it on a much grander scale. You may be the person that inspires that person, and then maybe they go out and inspire 100 people. Or maybe you're the one that inspires 100 people. I don't know. The point is, we can impact the world in a very positive way. Because we know how bad things can be. We have been at the bottom. We've been lower than most people. No, that doesn't make us special. But it does put us in a unique position. It puts us in a unique position so that we can say, hey, look, you can go from this bad and go and be that good. 
And it's pretty awesome, isn't it? It's a great feeling to know that you can do that. As long as you're still with us, you can do great things. So as I've said before, go for broke. Not, there's nothing to lose when you're starting at zero. And here's some examples of this opportunity. We can become wildly successful and give back in financial ways. A little sidebar on that. We have to be trustworthy with good things. There's a night, there was a time in your life, I'm sure, that you couldn't be trusted with a hundred bucks, right? Somebody couldn't give you a hundred dollars and expect you to do the right thing with it, right? But we get to a point where we have earned the trust, and so therefore we're given blessings, or however you want to look at it. So let's be trustworthy with those blessings let's take those blessings and do good things with it let's prove to god or the universe or whatever you want to call your higher power let's prove that you can give me blessings and i'll go out and be a blessing with it i'll may i'll do good things with this and that just makes your example even bigger and better we can also be examples of what's possible like i've said how low can you go to how high can you get and also as being being a being an addict gives you puts you in a particular unique position because it positions you as an expert someone who's made it someone who has a story to tell every person has a story to tell with regards to this podcast we're Tom speaking directly to addicts and anyone else who wants to listen that's great I'm hoping that some family members of addicts are listening in fact I intend to do some interviews coming up here's a little sidebar I intend to do a series of interviews with family members of addicts because so many times we hear about addicts and their stories from being down in the in the pits of hell to soaring in the sky like it is free as a bird. And those are very positive and uplifting, and I never want to take away from those. But I also know that there are family members, loved ones, who went through all this with us. In a lot in a lot of cases they were right there with us. You know, like when we were in jail. Our parents, our significant others, whoever it is, was right there with us. And you know, there were times that our family were glad we were in jail because at least they could know we were safe, right? That's a whole other thing. But yeah, I'm gonna get into some uh, interviews with family members because I feel like it's important to hear their side of it. So often we hear the story of the addict and how, how all they went through and what they put themselves through and how they finally came out of it and, and how they're doing amazing things now. And those stories are amazing. They really are. But there's also the story of the family behind them, the family that helped pull them up out of the muck. And a lot of times addicts and active addiction think that their family hates them. And they don't. They just want what's best for them. But a lot of times they're frustrated. And then tough love, you know, like when someone has to kick someone out of the house. When you have to, when a family member has to kick a loved one out of the house because they're in active addiction and bringing bad things around and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, look, all I'm doing is enabling you by giving you a free place to stay. That tough love is hard for the family to do. So they want us to, they, you know, they would like for us to know, look, I did that 
purely out of love. And I know that once we get out and away from it and we look back on it, we realize, yeah, they didn't have any other choice but to do that to me. And that was probably the only thing, the best thing they could have done for me. Anyway, that's a little sidebar as far as interviews that are coming up in the podcast in the near future. So everyone has a story to tell and we can be an example for everyone else. Kind of like the Phoenix fall down into the pits of hell and we swoop back up from the ashes what we take with us is the experience that we gained from our time in the addiction and that experience teaches us a lot and once we've been down there we've gained that experience and now we're back up we can then from a position above it reach down and give a hand up to someone who needs it however slow down tiger (laughs) we do have to get our clean time in And I say this because a lot of people, when they first get clean, myself included, when I first got clean, that was the first thing I wanted to do was run out and get get certified to be an addiction counselor or a therapist or whatever. And that's a very good thing to want to do. But I think it's very important to get our clean time in and to become comfortable with sobriety. Because once we go down the road of leading others, carrying the torch, lighting the way, for others to come up out of the pits of hell or whatever you want to call it. We have a responsibility. We can't be easily tempted. We have to understand that whenever we are going to try to help people who are still down there, temptation is down there. We have to get to a point in our sobriety where we're not easily tempted. You could look at someone who could easily give you drugs and not even let it phase you. Stay focused on I don't want that. What I do want is to pull you up if you're ready. So we can't. We have a responsibility to make make sure we're not going to be easily tempted. And for God's sake, we've got to stop romanticizing active addiction. And I know that people do it. I did it for God. I mean, a couple of years, I guess, where we remember the good times, how great it felt. Okay, I mean, there was a reason why we started doing drugs in the first place. It was fun. Felt, made us feel good, made us feel important, made us feel bulletproof, made us feel something. There was a reason why, that, that there was a lure. There was something that brought us in in the first place. And that's kind of the romanticizing of it. But we've got to always remember why we got sober in the first place. We've always got to remember how it ended, why it ended. Did it end in jail? Were you laid over on the side in the, of the bench or whatever? With vomit streaming out of your mouth because you're too bit too weak to get up and go to the toilet? Did it end with an overdose? Did it end with you waking up in an ambulance or in a hospital bed? Or, or even worse, did it end with you waking up handcuffed to a hospital bed? Yeah, I've heard those stories. I've been in rehab with a lot of with, with people, and everyone has a story to tell. I mean, they're all very similar, but they're all very unique at the same time. And my story may reach some people and not other people. Your story will reach some people. Your story is very important. But what's most important is your own sobriety. You have got to get to the point where you're not romanticizing it anymore to yourself. Because, you know, like addiction is like an ex that doesn't want to let you go. Addiction is like an ex that, will, that, that wants you back, is trying to win you back by reminding you of the good times, reminding you how it felt right there at the beginning. Maybe you felt bulletproof. Maybe you felt confident. Maybe you felt whatever. 
addictions like that X that's going to remind you, you remember how it was in the beginning? It's just lovey-dovey and whatever. So yeah, it's like an X that does not want to let you go. You've got to always remember why it ended, how it ended. Because those good times very quickly turn into bad times. So what I tell people, same thing I told myself for several years. I'm going to work on myself very quietly. Get my clean time in. Get enough separation between active addiction and now. Get enough separation to where I can't be lured back in. I can't be wooed back into it. Of course, with the end goal in mind, we do have to have enough separation between when we stopped so that we can't be easily romanticized back into it. So that uh, we can't easily be lured back into it. Because once we go down there and we start trying to help people and help give a hand up, we are going to kind of be down there in the muck. We're going to be down there close to temptation. And they're close to where it can be given back to you. I mean, it depends upon which route you take. Like, I'm not really around people. Well, I guess we all are. But I'm not really going... You're not going to see me going to a trap house and trying to pull people out of there. That's what I mean. Am I around addicts? Yeah. Because addicts are everywhere. These days, they're everywhere. If you work at a place with elite, with 10 people or more, very good chance there's at least one addict there. So, I say work on yourself quietly with the end of goal in mind. Make a list of things that you're thankful for. Today, I made a list of things I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for my podcast. I'm thankful for my family. My lovely kitty. That's my girlfriend, not my cat. <laughs> She's going to love that. Anyway, my car, the fact that I'm healthy, free, my sobriety, I'm able to help help others. Those are things that I'm thankful for. My goal was to get to five years clean time before I really put myself out there. But, you know, work on yourself and get yourself good. You know, meditate. And I've said before, people who won't, who, who like, I don't have time to meditate or a journal. I'm like, come on, dude, you sat in a freaking car. You sat in a freaking car in a parking lot for how long? How long would you sit away for your dope man? As long as it took, right? But how long did you do it? There was times you sat there for freaking hours. And I guarantee you the average time was at least 30 minutes. Unless you had a really good one. Then again, is that good? But whatever. That's getting into a whole other thing. But that does set up a, give me an opportunity to tell a funny story. <laughs> a lot of people, especially around um, the uh, Kentucky and uh, southern Ohio area, um, have a joke about how, you know, like your dope dealer will say, I'm, 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 I'm pulling in now, man. Can't you see my headlights? And I don't know, maybe in other areas of the world they say the same thing. If so, that's even funnier. But, like, for example, one time I was waiting for a guy, and, geez, we were in some really shady-ass apartment complex somewhere in, I don't know, whatever. <sighs> really shady. And we're just sitting there hanging out in a car. Nothing to see here, just a couple of dudes hanging out in a car. That's all. <laughs> and you know 30 minutes goes by and you're like oh man come on dude i mean you know he already said he was meeting me here so you call him oh yeah 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 i'm, I'm on my way man i'm on my way 
and you can clearly hear people in the background talking. I mean, you know, this guy, or, or maybe even better, it sounds like he's in a bathroom or something. You know, you can always tell if somebody's in a car or if they're in a bathroom or if they're at a family reunion. Because I've heard all those in the background. When you, know, you call a guy, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way, man. I'm on my way. Okay, cool. So then you so then you wait another, what, 20, 30 minutes? You call again, hey, man, I, I really need to get out of here. You know, this is kind of, this is really shady looking, and I'm just sitting here like a sitting duck. I don't know if a cop isn't watching, waiting for you to pull up or not. No, nah, man, you're good. Don't worry about it. You're good. Just stay right there. Just be cool. Just be cool. I'm, on my, I'm almost there. All right. So, well, that's cool. Fine. Then what happens? Another 15, 20 minutes goes by. You call again. Man, I thought you said you were almost here. I am, man. Shit, can't you see my headlights? I'm pulling in right now. Actually, no, I don't see your headlights. Well, I'm here. I'm here, man. Just chill out. I'll be right over there. I'm just doing something right over here real quick. Which kind of leads you to believe maybe he's hooking up. But he has another customer over there. Okay. Another 15, 20 minutes goes by. You call again. And you hear people in the background. Clearly, this guy hasn't even left yet. Anyway, for those that don't know, eventually, yes, he does show up. And at that point, you're just so grateful just to, just to get this over with. You don't even say anything to him. Because what are you going to do? Yeah, you can go to another person. You can find another drug dealer. Of course, they're on every corner. But then you run the risk of getting robbed or whatever. You know, so you always just kind of tough it out with this guy. Right? But thankfully, we don't live that way anymore. Thankfully... If, if if someone can't respect me enough to at least be close to on time, then screw them. I don't have time for you either. You know, it's a respect thing. And isn't it wonderful, isn't it nice to be able to value your time better? To be able to say, no, screw you. I'm not doing this. We're not doing this. I'm out. Aren't you glad you don't do that? So anyway, story time with Matt there. But... My point was, look how many times, look how long you've sat in a car waiting for a drug dealer to show up. You can't give yourself 30 minutes to do a little journaling, maybe do a little meditation, work on yourself, get your mind in a better place, work on your 95% your subconscious, reprogram your subconscious mind so that whenever you do take off, whenever you do hit that number, like my, my number was five years. And that's when I was really going to put myself out there. But there's that always that 95%, the subconscious mind, the autopilot. And we're not going to be able to change the fact that 95% of it's on autopilot. But what we can do is change where that autopilot is taking us. We can change what our habits are. We can change what we're attracting into our lives by changing what our programming is. In some cases, we can't help what, what our programming is up till this point. But now we can make a conscious decision with our 5%, our conscious. We can make a conscious decision and a conscious effort, conscious effort to work on that 95%, to make it better, to program it to expect great things, to program it to have habits that make way for great things to happen in our lives. So that way we can then go out and be an example for others. Anyway, that's what I got. I am going to definitely expand more on the 95% and 5% maybe in the next episode because I think it's so important. Our subconscious programming really is who we are. And 
We really can't change the fact that 95% of our mind is subconscious. Well, you can change what that 95% is doing. So, this is Matt Stevens. This is My Sober Addiction. Thank you for listening. I love you all very much, and I'll speak with you again soon. Very good.